0: Welcome to the White Hatter Parenting in an Online World podcast. On this podcast, we are going to take a more holistic approach to online safety in an enlightening and not frightening way, based upon facts and not fear. We will provide parents, caregivers, and educators with real-world examples, experiences, and evidence-based research that will help to keep our kids safer emotionally, psychologically, physically, and even socially when they are navigating today's on-life world. Let's get after it, shall we? Well, welcome everyone. Darren with the White Hatter team, and I'm excited to be your host. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about online pornography, hypersexualization, and our kids. And for obvious reasons, some of the content contained in this podcast may not be appropriate for younger ears. So, with that warning, let's dive into a topic that often makes parents and caregivers feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> You know, when I was in middle school and high school, if I wanted to see porn, I would either sneak into my parents' bedroom and have a look at the Playboy magazines that my dad kept hidden in his bedside table, or head down to the corner store with my friend who would distract a store clerk while we each took turns looking at the Playboy and Hustler magazines, or we would sit in front of the TV and turn on the Playboy channel that was scrambled. Remember those days where we could sit for what felt like an eternity in the hopes of catching a quick glance of a non-scrambled nude image that would appear every so often. However, the explicit pornography of today and its easy access is not the pornography that we parents grew up with as teens. Today's porn includes acts such as gagging, rough anal sex, ATM sex, which stands for ass-to-mouth sex. Gonzo porn, which is a type of violent-based porn that involves spinning and even severe choking. Now, in 2018, the University of Calgary here in Canada found that one in five youth experienced unwanted online exposure to sexually explicit material. Some other interesting stats and facts. The average age of youth viewing porn is between the ages of 9 to 12 years often they will see porn before their first kiss. Among 16-year-old girls, 30% reported using porn and in this cohort, 39% had tried to copy sexual acts that they saw in a porn picture. 51% of 16-17-year-olds to had been asked to watch porn with a partner and 44% had been asked to do something a partner saw in porn. And in Great Britain, 1 in 3 teen girls have tried anal sex. 85% of teen girls stated they have engaged in oral sex and one-third before the age of 16 years. Over 80% of pornography sites do not have age verification checks. And 71% of surveyed teen girls say their parents had never talked to them about pornography. Another interesting statistic from the Five Rights Foundation, a not-for-profit group that promotes online child safety, security, and privacy, quote, Almost half, or 42% of children aged 5 to 12 are on social media sites, despite most having a minimum age requirement of 13, and over 80% of pornography sites do not have age check verification, close quotation. When we here at the White Hatter anecdotally surveyed thousands of teens who follow us on our social media platforms, 78% stated they had come across pornography online. Many also stated that if they accidentally clicked on a porn link, it was almost impossible to exit out of it, something that we call getting caught in a PORNADO. So what is driving the pornography industry online? We've identified four catalysts. Number one, accessibility. In the past, a teen's access to pornography usually consisted of finding a Playboy magazine or an old VCR tape that a parent tried to hide in the home. Today, porn can be accessed 24-7 online with two clicks of a mouse. Number two is affordability. Unlike the past where you had to pay for a porn magazine or videotape, most porn today can now be accessed for free online. And number three, anonymity. You know, in the past, a person who wanted to purchase a porn magazine or video in person from a corner store or video outlet often needed to show ID. Today, it can be viewed for free or purchased online with very little risk of revealing one's identity. Although access to online pornography at younger ages is often accidental, sometimes teens will purposely search it out online for four reasons. The first reason... Curiosity. You know, teens are sexual beings, so curiosity about human sexuality in all its forms will often drive them to seek out online pornography. Number two is education. If parents don't want to talk about healthy human sexuality with their kids, then teens will turn to the on-life world for sex education with the belief that porn is what healthy human sexuality looks like. The porn industry knows this and uses it to their advantage. Number three, sexual arousal. Some teens will turn to it for the purposes of assisting in masturbation. And number four, peer pressure or relationship pressure, where a partner in a relationship will put pressure on the other partner to watch porn to spice up a relationship. By far, the largest and best-known online vendor of pornography is Pornhub, or what teens like to call The Hub, which is actually a Canadian-based company. When we present in both middle schools and high schools and ask students where can they access free porn online, Pornhub is always the number one answer. Anecdotally, during COVID, the number of views registered on Pornhub went from 120 million visits per day to over 134 million. Although much of what can be seen on Pornhub is free, during COVID, Pornhub also made their premium paid content free as well. Parent Tip Although pornography is usually delivered via text, pictures, and video, it should be noted that pornographic cartoons and anime known as hentai has also become popular with some teens. Just Google hentai, but make sure young kids are not in the room and be prepared to be shocked by what you will see. Now, it's not just the porn industry that normalizes sex trafficking, sexual objectification, and even rape culture. We also need to be concerning ourselves with movie streaming flat platforms such as Netflix which provides free and easy accessible hypersexualized movies such as 365 DNI a movie that normalizes sex trafficking objectification hypersexualization and rape and what was popular with teens or video games such as Grand Theft Auto Witcher and the God of War where animated sex scenes and extreme hypersexualization can take place this is why reading the game's rating is so important for parents before you buy or allow your child to purchase an online game or even Even video platforms such as YouTube. Just search Big Brother sex scenes. Big Brother is a popular show with many teens and watch the sex take place beneath the sheets. And even search engines such as Google. Just search the word porn and then click on the images tab and watch what pops up. Yes, pornography is a significant issue online, but so too are the concerns surrounding hypersexualization. And for the purposes of this podcast, I will define hypersexualization as, quote, where young people are depicted or treated as sexual objects through media, marketing, or products directed at them that encourages them to act in an adult sexual ways, end quote. Some examples of hypersexualization identified by the Canadian Women's Health Network included thongs marketed to six-year-old girls, ads of young girls in sexy poses, and girls dressing up and dancing porn style to their favorite pop star, very adult lyrics. Now, for those who have not seen Cardi B's WAP WAP music video, and WAP actually stands for, not very politically correct, but here we go, wet-ass pussy, head over to YouTube and search it out what you will see will be an eye-opener. And Cardi B is a singer that is very popular with our youth today. We are also seeing an increase in hypersexualization taking place in retail stores that sell lingeries in malls. Like, have you seen some of the posters that face out publicly in some of these stores? Next time you walk by one of these lingerie stores in a mall, check out who's sitting on the benches that face towards the store. It's not old men, but rather teen boys who are gawking at the women in the store. Not only are we seeing this hypersexualization in very explicit music videos, such as the WAP video produced by Cardi B that I just spoke about, but we're even seeing it in modern dance schools where preteens are mimicking the sexualized dance moves that they see in their media. To provide the reader with how the hypersexualization of youth on social media platforms can easily be used as a catalyst to create child sexual abuse material, the very popular TikTok app allows users to create short video clips that can be lip synced to music or to create short looping comedic videos. Recently, TikTok has garnered significant attention given its privacy issues, as well as some of its adult language and hypersexualized content, which is not age appropriate for some youth. To create a TikTok account, you need to be 13, but there is no age verification structure within TikTok to prove that someone is actually 13 and not an 11-year-old who is lying about their age. It has been our anecdotal experience that there are many teens under the age of 13 on this app. Although the, the issue of privacy and hypersexualized content specific to TikTok should be concerning to parents, it was brought to our attention by one of our teen followers that there's a greater concern, especially for young teens, called TikTok porn juxtaposition. According to the Webster Dictionary, juxtaposition is, quote, the act or an instance of placing two or more things side by side, often to compare or contrast or to create an interesting effect, close quote. TikTok presently has a function called Duet, which allows a user to use a split screen with a friend or even a celebrity to mirror a dance, a song, or to create a reaction or entirely new video. This is actually a really cool feature that we have used on our TikTok page here at The White Hatter. However, according to the teen who connected with us, over the past year there's been a growing underground movement known as TikTok porn groups, which are found online in places like subreddits. In these groups, they copy TikToks of young people who have posted a hypersexualized video and created their own pornified duet where they juxtapose a faceless video of themselves masturbating and ejaculating in the video. Again, this video is not posted to TikTok, but in more hidden, but searchable areas online as TikTok videos posts can be downloaded and shared outside of the TikTok app. We confirmed the existence of these subreddits and actually viewed the videos contained in these very disturbing groups. It should also be noted that the young girls aren't actually consensually participating in these these porn groups, but rather their videos, which they've often posted innocently on TikTok, have been hijacked without their knowledge and then pornified. These juxtaposed videos are then posted to these subreddits to allow others to sexually objectify them while they masturbate. Although these videos are located in more hidden areas online, they are searchable by Google and often identifiable to a TikTok user who has no idea that this has happened. Given this fact, these more videos could become public or even be used for the purposes of sextortion. Having said all this, there have been some teen users who innocently started out on TikTok or other platforms, but once they hit the age of 18 years, sexually monetized their followers by creating premium accounts on sites like OnlyFans.com or private Snapchat accounts. OnlyFans or private Snapchat accounts are also used by popular creators such as Twitch streamers. We were able to identify one teen who garnered hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok because of their sexualized dance moves, and then once they turned 18, created an OnlyFans page. On this private subscription-based account, this 18-year-old teen did the same TikTok dance moves fully naked, and it was estimated that through their OnlyFans account, they were taking more than $90,000 a month. Parent Tip we don't recommend TikTok for those under the age of 16 years, given it's sometimes very concerning content that we just spoke about. Often parents are unaware that you have to be 13 to join. Specific to TikTok, no matter what the age, we advise teens to stay away from posting any hypersexualized content given the above noted concerns. So, what are some of the consequences of pornography and hypersexualization? Number one. Both pornography and hypersexualization create a false understanding of what healthy human sexuality actually looks like. As an example, we've heard from several family doctors that they've seen an increase in the number of youth who have injured their anuses. Why? Because the porn industry likes to push anal sex. But unknown to unaware youth, before an anal scene, porn actors will often use lots of lubricant and a butt plug to stretch the anal sphincter before the scene is shot to prevent injuries. Teens not knowing this will experiment and engage in anal without taking these precautions, thus resulting in injuries. Remember the earlier stat that in Great Britain, one in three teen girls have tried anal sex. Number two, porn objectifies women and sometimes men as a commodity to provide sexual gratification and nothing more. Number three, it promotes problematic messages surrounding gender, power imbalance, sexual aggression, incest, and normalizes practices of actual physical displeasure during sex. And number four, it can lead to problematic use of pornography that can have emotional, psychological, physical, and social consequences. We here at The White Hatter have now met 10 teens in our presentations, all under the age of 18 years, who are now in treatment to help them cope with their problematic use of online pornography. Another interesting consequence, according to Dr. Carolyn West from the University of Washington, porn often perpetuates racism. Dr. West found in her research that porn is filled with racial stereotypes, is one of the most racist forms of media specific to African Americans or any person of color. Porn is more likely to treat women of color as targets of sexual aggression and violence. And more often, porn portrays men of color as the perpetrators of sexual aggression. Just recently, in 2021, Magic Lantern Pictures released a documentary called Raised on Porn that is available for free on YouTube. This is another resource that we believe parents and even their teens should view together, as it does a great job at contextually shining a light on this challenge. The link to this site is posted in the podcast notes. Another great resource on the topic of pornography and hypersexualization and how to educate youth and teens on these topics can be located at culturalframed.org. I personally participated in the free online training for parents that this organization offers through their website and thought it was another excellent resource to help parents understand the issues surrounding pornography and hypersexualization. More importantly, the training also provides parents and caregivers with tools on how to have an open and honest discussion about the emotional, psychological, physical, and social challenges of pornography and hypersexualization with their kids. Again, a link to this training can be found in the podcast notes. So, what is a parent to do about the challenges of online pornography and hypersexualization? Well, number one, here's the elephant in the room that some parents do not want to acknowledge adolescence equals becoming a sexual being. It is because of this fact we parents need to start talking to our kids about the difference between healthy human sexuality, pornography, and hypersexualization because if we don't, parents are leaving it to the porn industry and the media to do it for us, which is a recipe for disaster. As a youth worker we know stated to us recently, quote, I have youth on my caseload who are suicidal due to the impact porn has had on their sexual health. Yes to parents talking and talking often and early." End quote. Not only do we need to have the talk with our kids about healthy human sexuality and where do babies come from, but we also have what child psychologist Dr. Jillian Roberts calls the other talk, that being age appropriate information specific to pornography and hypersexualization. Yes, we need to talk about the biological of healthy human sexuality, but we also need to educate our kids about the positive surrounding pleasure, arousal, desire, what is consent, and how to negotiate consent when it comes to healthy human intimacy. As Dr. Mary Crabe, an Australian porn researcher, stated to us, quote, Most teens have told me that when it comes to sex education, what they get is too little, too late, and too biological, end quote. The question that usually follows from parents when we bring this to their attention is, Darren, what age should we be talking uh, about these issues surrounding pornography and hypersexualization with our kids? Our answer? As soon as they start to access the internet. The look of shock and awe after we share this answer with parents is priceless but so important. To help parents with this extremely important parental responsibility, once again, we turn to Dr. Jillian Roberts. Dr. Roberts has written what we consider the book on this topic that we cannot speak more highly of. And that book is titled Kids, Sex, and Screens, Raising Strong, Resilient Children in the Sexualized Digital Age. Dr. Roberts has created a blueprint for parents that will help us to navigate this sometimes very uncomfortable and often unwanted discussion with our teens and preteens in an age-appropriate manner. A link to this book can also be found in the podcast notes. Number two, for younger preteens and teens, consider software and filtering options. Given that the most popular mobile devices being used by youth are iPhones, iPads, and Android phones, there are parental controls on these devices, especially for those under the age of 15 years, to minimize access to adult-oriented content or websites you don't want your children to see. Filtering and monitoring hardware and software, such as the Griffin router or the Spin browser, also do a great job and have their place in helping to prevent young eyes from seeing things they should not be seeing online. Remember, however, there are no settings or technology filters on the market that can prevent youth from accessing pornography by accident or even on purpose 100% of the time. In fact, the porn industry is constantly adapting their ability to bypass filters, and this is why ongoing open and honest age-appropriate discussions on this topic are so important. However, think of the software filters as a way to help delay the likelihood of a preteen or a younger teen from accidentally viewing porn online, but for older teens, not so much. Parent tip Show us a child who comes from a family that doesn't talk about these issues in an age appropriate, open, and honest way, and we will show you the next target of today's pornography and hypersexualized industry. So what are the takeaways for parents and caregivers from today's podcast? Well, number one, we can't leave it to the porn industry to teach our kids about healthy human sexuality. That is a recipe for disaster. Number two, as soon as you allow your child to be online, we parents and caregivers need to start talking with our kids about the difference between healthy human sexuality and pornography. Check out the resources we've attached to this podcast that we guarantee will help you on this journey. Number three, remember, like it or not, adolescence equals becoming sexual beings. Ignoring this fact only empowers the porn industry. Number four, we found that the best time to have these types of discussions is in the car. Why? Because number one, you have a captured audience it's not as if they can hop out while you're driving 50K down the highway. And number two, it is easier for your child from a psychological perspective because you're not looking at them face-to-face. So the embarrassment factor drops significantly when compared to -to face-to-face discussions specific to this topic. Number five, If you learn that your child is having problematic challenges with watching pornography, or if they disclose this fact to you, don't criticize, ridicule, or embarrass them. Take a deep breath and give them a big hug and let them know you are going to get them the help that they need and things will get better. Remember, they need your support and not your criticism. And number six, be your child's best parent and not their best friend when it comes to the technology. There is a difference. Are your kids gonna like some of the strategies that we recommended in this podcast? Nope. Oh, well, that's what makes us parents. And sometimes we parents have to say and do things our kids aren't going to like. That's what makes us parents. Remember, you are not alone on this digital journey. We are here to help. And don't forget to check out our website at www.thewhitehatter.ca and our White Hatter Facebook page, where there is a ton of free content to help parents and caregivers uh, in today's online world. As well, on our website, we outline all the programs that we offer to schools, families, youth groups, and even businesses when it comes to social media safety and digital literacy. Parents and caregivers, stay strong. Be that mentor and that digital dog. From the White Hatter team, thank you for listening. And until our next podcast, have a great week, everybody.